Welcome to Legends of Grayskull, the podcast that dives deep into the mythology of Masters of the Universe, with your hosts, Matthew Dooch and Sean Scavana. News, reviews, remasterings, and more are just ahead on Legends of Grayskull. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Legends of Grayskull, the fan podcast where we dive deep into the history, the mystery, the magic, and mythology of She-Ra, Eternia, Etheria, Nordor, Primus, New Adventures, Old Adventures, Ladybird, Kate, Annuals, anything and everything you can think of with that He-Man, She-Ra, Masters of the Universe, Princess of Power, that Mattel logo, down in the corner. I am Matthew Dooch, here again with Sean Skavarna. How are we doing today, Sean? I'm doing all right. I'm ready to take a drink from the the chalice today. There we go. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna be representing the mighty motherboard as we dive deep into episode two of Masters of the Universe Revelation, streaming now exclusively on Netflix. <laughs> so, episode two. If you guys haven't seen, this is our breakdown video here. Uh, we're going to dive deep. We're going to go beginning to end of episode two. Episode one's available now. Go check it out. I'll include a link down in the description there. And uh, yeah, we're going to have some fun. So episode two is The Poisoned Chalice. Uh, this was directed by Adam Conroy and Patrick Stannard. And it was written by Dia Mishra. And I hope I said that all the correctly, Dia. If not, my apologies. Um, and of course, this premiered on July 23rd, 2021, as all of these episodes did, forcing us to binge it in that patented Netflix way. There's there's no shade in that at all, is there? None at all. <laughs> None at all. I totally uh, don't prefer the Disney Plus model at all. <laughs> yeah, I... This would have been a hard show to do the Disney Plus because man, these cliffhangers in each episode that we were getting, it's like, oh. But oh, you, you mean again, people people would have been talking about it for a week and coming up with theories and a ton of buzz for five straight weeks instead of a weekend? <laughs> yeah, that sounds terrible. No shade at all. No shade. No shade. <laughs> no shade. I love you guys. Thanks. Hey, thanks for putting this out, Netflix. I just want to put it that out there. I do appreciate this coming out. They, they're gonna. Really they're gonna I put out. Well, part two will be. You know, part two, five new episodes, yeah. except for you, Matthew Dooch. You don't get the five new episodes. <laughs> Somehow, your Netflix is My conveniently Netflix. not having those five episodes because of the shade. If yes. I, if, well, I'll, I'll just watch them once a week then, pirated. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. One way or the other, it will be done. Just kidding. <sighs> I, do not, I do not advocate piracy in any shape or form. And <laughs> One day All those right. guys in the black coats, I'm telling you, they're going to happen. They're coming from my hand. <laughs> Did you download an MP3 from LimeWire on September 18th, 1999? Uh, probably, <laughs> probably? <laughs> which one most likely it's not going these guys coming in I, I doubt that it all downloaded on the same day <laughs> that seems unlikely <laughs> that's true as well <laughs> oh but on to the show here okay on to so the show poison chalice so episode one left us with 
Tila throwing down her tiara, saying, forget you guys, I'm out. Mm-hmm. And episode two opens up with following two mercenaries uh, as they go into a stinky garbage hut. Yeah, all sorts of fun. <laughs> now, uh, the mercenaries are obviously Tila and Andra. Was there any part of you that did not realize that these were Tila and Andra as, as we opened up here? None whatsoever. The yeah. trailer definitely gave that away no matter what you did there. Um, and just, the only thing, uh, it, it's like this is where the time jump happens. So there right. is that. Now you're you're trying to figure out how many years between episode one and episode two have passed. But other than that, yeah, Andra, Tila, it's a given. Yeah, and that was kind of interesting, too. Um, Do you kind of wish that they had specified how long it had been? Because I kept expecting, like, the two years later or, you know, whatever, or even even a generalization, like, a a while later or a long time. Like, you know, I just wish... I wish there'd been some sort of a reference point there because you are kind of left throughout this going, I'm thinking a minimum of a year, but it could have possibly mm-hmm. been longer depending on some of the stuff we've seen. Yeah. There's things in this episode specifically where I'm like, that happened very quickly if it only happened in a year. And then there's other things where it's like, well, maybe it was only a year. Yeah. yeah. So I, it, it depends because we this this episode and next episode really get into the magic getting taken from Eternia yep. and all that kind of stuff. It's like okay, so how predominant is the magic to make it that this this world is now dying? Because a year to me almost feels like that's too short, right? Because it's a planet, you know. Like even with what we talk about with global warming, it's like that's not a year from now, you know, right. with, with all this stuff. So there is like a maybe it's two to five years. So it, it would yeah. have been nice. It would I have been just nice. Wish, uh, and maybe it's coming. Maybe eventually we'll, you know, when, you know, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but maybe eventually we'll get more of a frame. But right now we're left open. We know some time sure. has passed. Um, but this opening scene seems very much framed as in that you're you're not sure who's under those ventilator masks, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, in in the mercenary because they're they're they got the mercenary outfits with the the cloaks, uh, hooded mm-hmm. cloaks and these ventilator masks, uh, very reminiscent of the Road Ripper. I felt in style. It felt very turny in those masks. Did it was all, it, that was a good touch. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, I know in the groups, uh, Yuka was actually pointing that that the, he could see the design elements there too, which I was like, ah, and I, there there have been people going, what is that? That looks like something. I can't think of what it yeah. was. There you go. Road Ripper. Yeah, so. it's got that style. But, uh, but yeah, the whole scene is kind of framed as, like, like when Tila rips off her mask and does, like, the, like it feels like that. And, and I know I'm being I'm being my old man, Matt, but I'm going back to I, I wish I'd seen less because that I think that was written and animated to be a big reveal, but because of everything we saw beforehand, it was like, oh mm-hmm. yeah, Tila. Yeah, I yeah, know that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and uh, honestly, there, it, it's it's really hard when the first episode is based on what everybody would would have. I won't say what they wanted to see because you know I want to see the story progress, but 
the first the the initial trailer with the I, I yeah. Need a Hero was so much that first episode yeah. that when we get into the new stuff, it's like there's tons of things just constantly flooding you going, well, now we know this is going to happen. This And, and right. it, that's the tricky part about trailers, no matter yeah. what you do. So, yeah, but this reveal definitely didn't wow me or anything. It made me just go, yeah, I figured it was Earth. That's cool. Right. So. And it, well, I guess that's what I'm going. Like, they even took the pains, like the Masterverse toy line was initially said that it was going to be eight figures in wave mm-hmm. one. And they even end up condensed splitting that in half. And mm-hmm. I felt that that was the reason because we didn't even see the Tila, the beast. Well, any of them, Tila, beast man, spike or man arms, even though spike or man arms are their classic looks. Yeah. Um, I felt that was the reason, like they were trying to hold that, those things back, but then they pretty much just showed you. So I don't know. Is it, it was just kind of weird to me, especially if rewatching. I'm like, you know what? I, I again, it's just me being me. I wish that we'd had that build to where it's like, oh no, that is Tila, you know, because mm-hmm. you really don't know where the story's gonna go at that point. But regardless, it happened. Um, mm-hmm. They have a nice little fight with Stinkor, uh, who had stolen the glove of Galabula, and they had been sent to bring it back. Um, mm-hmm. Stinkor looked great. A uh, nice blend of classic and, you know, uh, Mike Young Productions with the tanks on the back and everything. Uh, they changed his stench to actually come out of his mouth in a blast now, which I thought was a really uh, gnarly upgrade. I, I really liked that more yeah. than even the hands or I guess like vintage mini comic. It, it felt more like it just kind of came off him or even mm-hmm. like he directed it with his hands. And then, of course, Mike Young, uh, there was a lot of the, the fart jokes of it. Um, mm-hmm. But I really like the idea of him using it as a as a breath weapon and, and shooting it more like Dragon's Breath. That, that's a mm-hmm. cool visual. I like that. Yeah, and it, it, was, it was amusing to me considering who the voice is, uh, Jason Mewes, mm-hmm. um, it, where he, he says, get your hands off my merch. It's like that's yeah, a you, term I would not have expected on Eternia, but because well, we, he was going, what was it? Was get your hands off my merch, you filthy mercs! Like Merc. it was, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so, that little, yeah. little wordplay, those little zingers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and then and then uh, uh, unfortunately, because I I actually enjoy when Stinkor shows up both in two thousand X and in here. Yeah. For the fact that we never got him in filmation, and any time that they bring in anyone who's never been in filmation, it always makes me go, "You're welcome to stay," because it's right. fun to have a new character. Unfortunately, he gets taken out pretty easily, yeah. and then uh, there is a nice little cute Star Wars reference where Tila does that. You know, sorry about the mess, and flicks you know some yeah. some coin over to the purse, the merchant who's. Uh, Barrow or whatever you want to call it just got dropped stinkor yeah. in the middle of and destroyed and so yeah I, honestly though it, it was nice as weird as it is to say this it's refreshing to see stinkor for me that's just well, the way I liked, it is I I had the same complaint about the scene I'm like I'm like that was that was it so I'm I'm hoping we see him again in uh in mm-hmm. the, the back half because yeah that was especially with these the fight scenes in this show are very well done, but that one was 
very quick. Um, yes, yes. But that's that's because we got to get we got to get going here. We got to get mm-hmm. moving. Um, so basically, Tila and Andra they return <clears throat> the glove of Galabula, which is actually an artifact from the vintage era. Uh, it, most people didn't know this. Uh, Aiden Cross, of course, he runs the great uh, Master of the Universe UK comic site, and uh, that's exactly where it came from. It was 1986, uh, the UK Masters of the Universe comic magazines, uh, and here is its description in the uh, Character Guide and World Compendium. Uh, unearthed by the Eternos Archaeological Society, the Glove of Galabula, when used with its accompanying Book of Spells, was a magical artifact with powers to rival Castle Grayskulls. Though Hordak possessed the glove for a time, he gave it up when the heroic warriors tricked him with a counterfeit copy of the Book of Spells. The glove was subsequently sent to Castle Grayskull for safekeeping. So. Hmm. And I have not chased down the story with that. I'm sure there's more information if I find the actual story that is in, but I have not had a chance to do that yet. And I unfortunately do not own the UK comics. Someday. Um, oh, for anyone who, who has issues with the show, I found it funny that it was teaching those of us who didn't grow up in the UK. Yeah. This is a thing, you know? And so it was, it was actually, it was, it was nice. It wasn't just relying on what Americans yeah. know for the mythology, which was really cool. Um, no, but no. then, yeah. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, I just going to say it's great that they're pulling. I mean, they're trying to stick to the vintage era as much as possible, but they're still pulling in all this stuff, you know, and trying mm-hmm. to to rectify some of the contrasting canons. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, another, it, again, you know, like in the fir- in the span of maybe five minutes of this episode, give or take, uh, we have another uh, another piece of dialogue that had me go, wow. Because uh, then uh, when the priestess, well, oh, thank you for bringing the glove back. And she's explaining, you know, it's, it, it brings uh, it brings magic to the people in the village and the, the love from the people and all this. And then Andrew does the no glove, no love. And I'm like, yeah. Oh, it's it's another um, that one hit me harder than the merch moment <laughs> because I was like, I know that phrase. That's the one I didn't ever think would be on a show like this. OK, they did that, too. And, and no, this is not me wanting to complain. That was no, just I one that I'm like, boom! It, they just said that. Okay, <laughs> I, I I felt I felt this one was definitely reaching um, mm-hmm. for some of these, and uh, I I don't want to say it's it's not necessarily the weakest written episode, but I think just because it's got so it's got a lot of exposition. And so I think this one plays a bit slower uh, than the other four episodes. Mm. Um, but we get a lot of good information in it coming up. And that's basically what this is all leading to. Um, then we'll get there. So, yeah. so then we, we have the... Uh, after they return the glove to the leader of this church who's saying, you know, hey... You know, people are basically either, and this sets up the whole stage with what we're going to see with Triclops and his band. Basically, Eternia is devolving. It's you know, it's it's losing its magic. What little there is left. These magical artifacts are very sought after, and uh, 
And people people are either going one of two ways. Either they're denouncing magic or they're really just flocking to it. Like, if we can just hang on to these last scraps of magic, you know, maybe the planet will get better. Because that's the other thing. You notice that the planet is starting to... It, there's a bit more desert, uh, dry areas, you know. It, mm-hmm. It's not looking as, as wholesome as it was an episode ago. So, again, yeah. that's another thing that kind of goes, well, how long has this been? Um, mm-hmm. And uh, after they return the glove to, to the church leader, then they're approached by uh, an old woman out of the shadows who calls herself uh, Magestra, who mm-hmm. hires Tila and Andra to to go and find uh, an old chalice that sh- that belonged to a dead friend of hers and, and to bring it back to her. She, she wants something to remember him by. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and she, of course, says she'll pay them, you know, handsomely. And that the chalice is in none other than Snake Mountain. Uh, to which Andra completely freaks out. And Tila is just like, okay, yeah, let's do this. We'll be back in two days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, simple. Just that simple. <laughs> well, that, that's what I loved about that scene. And it really puts you... In the shoes of Andra, who's like, you really get the feeling she's just coming out into the world here. Like, whatever village she was raised in, she was she managed to live there. They didn't necessarily have direct contact with the outside world. You know, she hasn't been up in the face of evil warriors. You know, she knows about Skeletor. She's heard about the Horde in ancient times. She know, She even says... Uh, jump ahead a little bit, but she even says later that Grayskull is a place her grandfather used to tell her stories of. Mm. Like, she knows yeah. the history, but she has never set foot in the Evergreen Forest. She's never been at the Jawbridge, you know? And so she's she's freaking out. She's like, Snake Mountain? Are you kidding me? And Tila's just like, mm-hmm. I used to go there once a week, you know? Yeah. And <laughs> it's a nice contrast, and you really get that Andra... It's kind of our view into this post-apocalyptic Eternia that she's here to guide us to ask the questions that we would ask and help give us the frame of reference as to what is and isn't. And yeah. I thought she worked very well in that in that aspect. Yeah, I I didn't mind her. She's like I know there was a lot of controversy, but once I saw her on the show, it's like she she kind of fit in in the way like on filmation you would always have that one-off character show up on an episode and yeah. that would be the person that's key to the story they're going to tell like or have someone like, like Malakta where he showed up a couple different times or whatever i kind of viewed her as that in this yeah. case you know like if this was a movie this is that character they added to the mix just to have a little something different and also like you said be the be the gateway person into right. the rest of the story uh for us so and 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 also it's kind of fun. Uh, she's also a character that plays into the power set being the way it is right now because Tila renouncing magic, renouncing yep. her past, and then now she teamed up with a girl who is similar to Duncan, where she yep. is an inventor and she's mm-hmm. using technology, and that underlines her mentality right now. That here's my partner and she can do all these things, and I'm the brawn and she's the brain. Right. It works. It works really well in that kind of a storytelling sense for me. And I like how even though she had, you know, 
not only did she renounce the royal family, but she's, you know, obviously not talking to her father, but she's still leaning into his way. Like that is mm-hmm. like, she's still his daughter. She is, she is man at arms. She's leaning on the tech or her own resources. You know, she became a mercenary to survive and, you know, to earn money. And, you know, that staff, she got that nice staff that can, you know, go from a, a bow staff to a sword to you know, a spear, you know, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. Now that that reminded me so much of what kind of the stuff they do in Mike Young with uh, the telescoping and everything else, and mm-hmm. I thought it fit perfectly her night her new weapon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it even uh, it even reminded me of um, uh, on Rise of the Nin- the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, like Donatello's staff would do all these different things. Like it makes sense if you have a bow. Yeah. You need it to be a little more utilitarian than just it's a it's a stick, you know. Right. I, so in that way, it, that doesn't look as lame as a weapon as it typically would be when I was a kid. And when I first saw Donatello, I was like, "He's got a stick," you know. Like, <laughs> I I was never wowed by that character because his, his weapon just really didn't work for me. That's just me. Yeah. So then, so they take the deal, and then, uh, and then actually, it's. It switches immediately to to a shot of, of Tila trapped in the the net at Snake Mountain, um, mm-hmm. but dressed in her in her classic outfit. And this <clears throat> this threw my kids for a minute when we were watching it the first time. They're like, "Why is she back in that?" And even I for a minute was like, "Yeah, why did she change back?" And then. Once she climbs out using Whiplash's tail, I'm like, oh, no, I see what's going on. This is mm-hmm. the first of the flashbacks we get where she is remembering a time that her and He-Man uh, stormed Snake Mountain. And you've got the, the platform with the wolf's gate, with the trap door, with the net. Uh, yep. So vintage playset. It was awesome. And, and nice vintage Whiplash, who is one of the most awesome evil warriors ever um i don't think even sean can deny here that that classic whiplash fighting he-man and tila just looked uh, an impressive and and a worthy adversary this this actually uh from from just a a character design standpoint is my favorite whiplash that they've ever made Uh, i i love them i I like the 2000X one where he was bulky just because of the body type being different. But yeah. this one, it's like, oh, he looks like he's a force to be reckoned with. I like, even like when you see the tail. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, crap. That's how they're making no, it's, his tail it's on like the show. He's, yeah, it's the vintage alligator tail. It's all yes. muscle. It's wide. Yes. You know, he's wide but lean, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, I like Mike Young, too. But he was very much that, 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 that tubby body like he had the big yes. belly and everything like the big guy this was like i said this was like alligator it was lean but like mm-hmm. you can just see by looking at it, it's like he's gonna crush you if he mm-hmm. gets his hands on you yeah and that the thing about like for me at least with this show i, I know i made the comment about clawful where i really liked his design in the last episode this one for me is like wow you know like i i want to actually see a cartoon where they go back and do the vintage stuff looking like they do here and give us, you know, like fill out that instead yeah. of giving us the the future stuff because they did such a great job of yeah. modernizing these characters 
And uh, I mean, you know, filmation fans are filmation fans, but when I see these characters, I'm like, this is how I pictured them in my head because they definitely look more formidable and they look a lot more, they, they, they look capable and they look menacing compared yeah. to filmation. They would always give you that, like, we're not going to try to scare you kids. Yes, it's the villain, but we're going to make it a little less menacing. And it's like, no, I always wanted menacing with this because it oh, yeah. makes sense, you know? Absolutely. So it it uh He-Man and Tila end up beating Whiplash by doing a night He-Man swings Tila in a nice roundabout maneuver, not she kicks him into the net. Um and then we get the, a nice exchange uh between the two. Um uh, mm-hmm. He-Man says, uh, I'll go if you go, you know. Mm-hmm. So just remember that. Put in your back yep. pocket. We'll get back to yeah. that. Um, and then where we flash forward, we come back to the present day, and we got Tila and Andra standing in the same spot. But unfortunately, uh, the Wolf's Gate has been severely upgraded. Uh, laser bars and sensors, and basically, if they breathe on it, it's going to blow up. Um, so Tila figures the only way in is... By opening the old trap door, jumping down on the net, and digging their way in. Because they did not reinforce that at all um, to enter the Snake Mountain. And I gotta say, it was it was nice coming back to Snake Mountain. It was nice seeing the vintage look. But then even the upgraded look. Um, as we find out that Triclops took over, I really felt that, the, like, number one. Triclops has always been in the lead for me to take over in Skeletor's absence. I know Classics did Jitsu and New Adventures, if they'd gotten their second season, would have even done Man-at-Arms. Spoiler alert. Um, but I, I've always felt that Triclops was the right, was one of the top runners to take over in Skeletor's absence. He always struck me as that kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Well, if you... Like filmation, he he wasn't on enough. But if you look at the the two thousand X version, he was the brains. I mean, yeah. it, it's like you had that hierarchy of Skeletor. Then right. really close to it was Evil Lynn, and then he would have been yeah. right after that because he was always inventing things. And he even went out of his way to come up with like, I'm going to show Skeletor I can do this myself right. on the Robotos Gambit episode. So yeah, I, <clears throat> I I agree with you. If you go on that that canon of sorts yeah Yeah. it it works for me in that way too and that's you know and promise i'm not going to rabbit hole this might be something we can spin off on another episode because i want to stick to what's in the show but you know we've already said we'd love to see what happened more in the classic era show us some stories from then i'd love to see what happened between triclops and evil lynn because you know evil lynn didn't just give up snake mountain you know, try like that had to have been in here again. This is why I'd like to know how much time has passed because you know Triclops has Snake Mountain fully decked out. He's got sensors, lights, you know, circuitry. Like he's he's coated the walls, like mm-hmm. he's he's reinforced everything, and he's mm-hmm. got this whole army of alkalites that you know he has transformed into mechanical monsters like himself in Trapjaw and. Even Whiplash has been uh, uh, changed. Yeah. And so, you know, you know that didn't just happen overnight. You know there's no way Evil Lynn just gave up willingly and walked away. 
You know, I'm yeah. sure that that was a conflict in and of itself that has already resolved itself. Um, and, and, you know, Triclops, his whole cult that he's got going on was freaky as all get out. You see Trapjaw has been upgraded. Like I said, Whiplash has robotic parts. Even Triclops has some extra, like you can see in his arms, he's got some circuitry and stuff now. Like he has really gone the way of, you know, away from magic. He feels that Skeletor's downfall is he was always relying on magic and technology is where it's at. Technology is going to save him. And he is using this chalice that they've sent to get and some sort of goop coming out of Screech, which it was a nice throwback because in filmation, Screech was that giant robotic bird. And so Triclops has her hooked up and is like draining this motor oil looking stuff with nanites in it out of her. And basically whenever anybody drinks it, they get these robotic parts and Mm -hmm. it's, some freaky stuff in here. I was watching my kids to make sure they weren't too freaked out during this part. Yeah, it was, uh, they, um, Kevin Smith posted, uh, so uh, it was a social media post where he said that there were, there were movies from the eighties that they had as reference points of what was going to be the, like the theme of the episode. Oh yeah. If I remember I right, this one was temple of doom. Okay, and I when you go that. into that sequence, it, it like I was actually thinking that just now, like yeah, it reminds me of like when Indy and a short round yeah. are there, and and they they get to watch the first moment of the the sacrifice. Then you get to see this is what is going on here, and they're they're horrified, you know. And it's oh, like yeah. when you watch this part, it, it gets into some stuff where um yeah, you're you're just sitting there like for my my uh my own uh, kids. When when Evan was watching it with me, she she was worried about the little girl that was there, yeah. the, so the father I. and the little girl and stuff, and and like the the dad drinks from the chalice yeah. and you know and all that stuff, and then you see him changing, and and then she turned to me, she goes, "What about the little girl?" I go, "She wasn't there. I'm hoping she's okay." You know, and I, it's that whole maybe Teal is going to get her out of there or something. That's what I thought too. I thought oh, Teal was going to save her, and then <laughs> yeah, go ahead, do it. Yeah. And when when they get to the point that they that they uh, try to get the little girl, she's looking away from them, and her head just does the exorcist yeah. turn, and she smiles at them in a way where if a girl did that, a little kid looked at oh like that, God, I'd be running. I, I would probably start screaming. The power of Christ compels you, and run the other direction. Right? Yeah, it, it's it, this this one for it. It, it was a slow uh, slow setup for this one because. Mm-hmm. It didn't just start right off with this is the point of the episode and it yeah. built towards it. But once you get to this part, there is an element of holy crap, you know, like it's interesting too because it, this whole series relies on the dynamic of if you take away the two major players in this, right? You just see it's almost like you what take happens? the parents away, what happens when the kids get to rule the place in yeah. a sense? And it's interesting because it, it does show you, here's the faction dynamics we have here. Here's who joined up with who. Mm-hmm. And here's how far some of these people have taken it. Right. With Skeletor not being there to check Triclops or with, you know, Teela yeah. doing her own thing. And He-Man's not there to be a voice of reason to pull her back home again and all that. 
Um, but yeah, I, I was actually pretty, it's honestly, I'll say this. It's not my favorite episode of the five. I don't really know if there's one that I, I like less than the others. I feel like it just, when I play it, it just plays. Yeah. But this one definitely has like the, wow. Like they went, they went to some darker places than I would have ever expected them to on this. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess that's it really. It's, it's, uh, you know, they, they, this episode is all the setup. It's showing you the central powers and everything. And so you've got to get through all that. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, this scene in Snake Mountain is great. The battle scene, you know, Andrew gets some time to shine. She, uh, you know, she launches that, that saw blade into Trapjaw's face, which. Yeah. Uh, that was... <laughs> I thought Trapjaw was dead. I'm going to put it right there. I'm going to leave it here for now. I I thought for sure I'm like well there goes Trapjaw like okay we killed off another person okay mm-hmm. but I'm like dude just took a saw blade to the face like yes so yeah, yeah I was I was sure Trapjaw was dead oh we got to see Blast Attack he was there as well um, <laughs> he was he was interesting I I was I I couldn't get a good read on what makes him blow up but the the fact that they kind of inputted. Or basically, it seemed like um, whenever he was defeated, like it would trigger like a self destruct sequence. Seemed to be how they were playing it. Like mm-hmm. when he got knocked down, his chest would start beeping, lighting up, and if he punched in a certain code, it would disarm. Yeah, which was an interesting twist. On it. we always think about him either as the break apart guy that hops around and fights you, or you know, or like the concussion blast, like he just comes in and just blows himself up, you know, knocking people out. So that mm-hmm. was that was a neat twist, although it seemed to get activated really easily, I guess. Because there, <laughs> there was a few moments throughout it where he's like having to shut himself off again. And I'm like, okay, but I, I, I can get behind this, this interpretation. And that's a neat thing. It's like, so basically if he gets defeated, his program is self-destruct. Makes a lot more sense than I'm gonna build this robot just to send him in and blow him up immediately. Yeah, or happy, happy, punchy, punchy. I, I actually, I, I mean, the comedic value there for me, like, I have no owning to that character whatsoever. He came out so far into the line that it, I really was like, okay, you know, oh, scare glows right. on the peg, fine. I'm going to get my Ghostbusters toys this week or whatever. So. He was he was in that era of I was fading from Masters pretty quickly. So to see him show up here, and it, it, the comedic relief was amusing just to have him go yeah. every time that he, he managed to get that code in in time. But yeah, it does bring into question, like, the premise of that is just nutty to begin with. So I, I like that they did make a little bit of like, a, hey, let's have some fun with that at least on this. And and I think this moment needed it. Like you said, when that yeah. girl turns around and and basically what happened, guys, is she, she, her father had already taken the drink. And so you were left to be like, okay, I'm hoping Tila will save her. But by the time Tila gets to her, the little girl had already gone and gotten a drink herself mm-hmm. or in order to change to help. That's how desperate these people are. That's how desperate some of these Eternians are right now that their villages are dying, their crops are dying, and they see no other way. But the going mechanical offers them salvation because then you're not running on the same stuff, you know? 
Mm-hmm. So I think that's people are seeing that as an outlet, mm-hmm. and it definitely adds a gray area into the whole series that was not there. You know, we saw it again. We saw it start to get hinted at in Mike Young Productions, but you mm-hmm. know, the gray area has not been explored a lot in Masters. It's always been very much black and white, good versus evil. So, but this whole world past He Man and Skeletor after their death is very much like, you know. Is there as much right or wrong? And that's all going to culminate here in a little bit at Castle Grayskull. But we'll get there. Mm-hmm. Um, but the escape scene was great. I love seeing, you know, you saw, we saw Doom Seekers in this. We saw uh, the old gargoyles that used to adorn mm-hmm. the tops of the statue or the columns in, in filmation. And uh, even on their way out, seeing all the gates was very reminiscent of the, of the MB Creations comic Snake Mountain. Um, but the best part was when they're going past the pools, we actually see those, those pools of slime, ooze, whatever, toxic waste. And they've got, Tila and Andrew have one grenade left and all those alkalites behind them. And Andrew's getting ready to throw it at the group, try and take as many as she can. And Tila just lobs it into the slime and, uh, those tentacles from the vintage playset. That was only a sticker. Just Mm -hmm. come out and just start going crazy, just attacking anything. I'm like, it's those (laughs) moments that just make you go, yeah, I remember that. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, the thing is, like, uh, you know, I know know there's a lot of people, Filmation was not a toy advertisement, but there are moments in this where I'm like, they could have had a lot more fun sometimes if they would have let it be a little more toy advertisement yeah. by showing moments like that because it would have only made you go back to the place and go, oh, I need to do this yeah. now because they brought that into the show today or whatever. So, well, and that's the yeah. beauty of doing Revelation, you know, yeah. 30 years after, <laughs> or 40 years, 30 years, 40 years. Going on 40 years, yeah. You're old, Sean. <laughs> yes. Uh, I yes, was not, I was not alive for the premiere, so I am not unlike you and Rob Bass. But yeah, well, and he and I don't sleep very much. I know. That <laughs> I love you, Rob. Uh, but yeah, no, it was it was just great seeing those little nods. Like, okay, yeah, it's it's just those fun little things. Um, but yeah, this 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 that whole snake bound sequence was my favorite scene. In the in this episode, that was definitely the highlight. Uh, the mm-hmm. battle was fun and everything, um, and then we head back to. Excuse me, uh, we head back to the Temple of Galabula. It's never really named, but we'll go with Temple of Galabula, where that they works. meet back up with Magestra, and she gives them their payment, thanks them, and she asks for. Uh, if they want to join her and and return it to its rightful place, basically, uh, which she says is Castle Grayskull. And this one, Tila's a bit more hesitant about. She's Snake Man. She was good with, but she's not ready to go back there yet. And again, these these first five are Tila's Tila dealing with grief. And I think this was very much a part of her denial. Like, no, the last time I was in there was when I saw He-Man Adam killed. Like, I don't want to go there. Mm-hmm. And, 
but Andrew says she's gonna she's gonna do it whether she comes or not. So Tila reluctantly does end up uh, going with her. <clears throat> I'll go if you go. I'll go if you go. <laughs> yeah, she's fine. She's finding these replacements for her for her old friends. You know. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's, it, tough. it's tough for her. It, it is, and I, I thought I, I like the dynamic. Uh, especially right here between them, because there is that element of Andra knows of the legend of Tila because that's why she teamed up with her. And yeah. there is that she knows there's a history of all these adventures. And Andra's basically at the very beginning of hers mm-hmm. and going, well, I'm doing it if you're not, because you've already done all this stuff and it's right. my chance to be a hero. And, you know, I, I, I really like that aspect of it where, Tila's just doing the whole, you know, like you—you you gotta realize what you're saying when you're saying you right. want to be a hero. There's like it's there's it's everything. There. It's everything. Exactly. You're giving your so, all. You get consumed by it. Yeah. And, uh, so and, I, and, I like that a lot. And you know, I kind of get the feeling that while Andra knows of Tila, and obviously she knows who Tila is, I, it doesn't ever feel like she knows much specifics like they don't actually talk about that about that time you know what i mean because i think mm-hmm. i think and coming up in, in an episode or so we definitely get a bit of that where it feels like like even even now with her kind of going back to snake man and stuff like this is the first time tila's really talked about you know her time with he-man or anything like mm-hmm. that's she shut herself off from that. It's like, Andrew knows this is Captain Tila, but basically Tila's just looking at, like, from the day she left the palace, is, from then on is all she talks about. Like, she yeah. shut everything else off. Because otherwise, Andrew should know a bit more, it seems, and not have to ask as many questions. But Tila's exactly. definitely put the wall up, like, look, we'll do this, we'll be mercenaries, whatever, but you don't talk about that. Like, mm-hmm. you don't. She probably asked her before, and she's like, yeah, we don't, we don't talk about that. We don't. Yeah, I'm good. That was my passion. Yep. So, but they journey that you know she ends up getting roped in, um, and they they wind up in Castle Grayskull, and I I I love it when they they descend back down into into the chamber where the orb was. You know, basically, oh they they talk about how King Randor has has declared Castle Grayskull a a forbidden zone. No one's allowed to go there. It's all desolate. It looks like the Hall of Wisdom. The Gray School facade is gone. It's just a yeah. rundown Hall of Wisdom at this point. And uh, and uh, so they head down to the chamber and they see Sorceress standing basically right where the orb was, you know, holding holding a small piece uh, of magic, and she's looking. She's looking drawn she's looking old yeah yeah remind it, it, it's 87 movie yes to me every time i see that yeah yeah she's still got her traditional outfit on at this point but she is she's very weathered mm-hmm. and and i like how how tila just you know they're they walk in with magestra the old lady and tila's pretty much like all right evil lynn you're gonna tell us what you're really here for like mm-hmm. <laughs> And uh, I, I, I like that they didn't make her dumb, you know, like, 
Like, she knew from the get-go that this was Evil Lynn, and she didn't care. Mm-hmm. Like, Evil Lynn's going to pay me to get a cup from Snake Mountain? Absolutely. You know? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And that's probably, honestly, the only reason she went with Andra, because she knew who it was, and she's like, well, I can't let Andra go alone with this yeah. witch. You know? Exactly. But exactly. I like that. It's, it, it, it shows Tila as smart and formidable, and basically she was just waiting and to get her here to fi- figure out what her plan is if she couldn't figure out beforehand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it. I, I, I really, <laughs> I, I get a kick out of some of that stuff, and the, and just the fact that you can see again that's the time passage thing, and the whole you know, okay, we're removing from the original because there is this feeling, even it's like she's paid to go up against Triclops. She wouldn't do that as, uh, oh, hey, he needs to be stopped today or whatever. Like, it's not on our schedule to go and deal with Snake Mountain. It just ended up that's where it had to go. Right. She has no dog in this race anymore because of what she did. And like you said, it's more of a it's a it's a mentor mentee situation where her as the mentor of Andrew, she's like, I'm not going to let you do that by yourself at this point. You know, that's right. that's her line. It's like she's not going to. She she will be there with Andra in danger because she could probably help her in danger, but she's not going to send her into danger and just be like, well, you know, and just walk away from it. So, exactly. So yeah, I I like that quite a lot. No, but I agree, and it's and this whole this whole sequence. Um, and I'm sure I'm going to jumble it up a little bit here, listeners. My apologies, but there. There is a lot at this point. This is this is basically what the whole show is. This episode has been building to. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, Evelyn heads towards the sorceress, who's basically just standing, pretty much seems catatonic. You get the mm-hmm. feeling, honestly, that she has pretty much been standing there since since the incident. It feels like because she is, as we find out. She is holding on to the last shard of magic in Eternia. Just this little ember that she managed. In all the melee and all the explosions, she managed to grab on to this one flame of magic. And she Mm -hmm. had just been kind of holding it there since, um, trying to figure out what to do. Like where where do we go from here? All the with Skeletor cracking open the orb of the elders, all the powers just exploded to who knows where it's gone yeah and um i don't get a little ahead of myself but it all flows together folks um but yeah so tila evelyn makes a move to go for the sorceress before we know all this and tila uh goes to attack her throwing her weapon at her and cringer jumps in and this took me out of by surprise when that i'm like like oh cringer's here like th- this is where he went which yeah. was, which was surprising i just assumed that he'd be back at the palace but i guess with everything else like he has even cut ties with the royal family and he you get the feeling that he's been here this whole time just guarding the sorceress yeah and and, and the next part there is some big splaining to do because yeah we we don't get a glimpse of what's going on with Randor or Marlena. No. And ironically, as a kid, I had no interest in those characters because they were mom and dad who gave right. a crap about that, basically. But in the case of the setup of this entire story, 
I want to see what the deal is with these characters because everybody has either been told to, to get out of, of the castle or just they're done yeah. with it too. So like what happened? And, and we know what happened, but what happened with them? You do know, you re- do you remember was, did Cringer even journey back to the palace? I'm trying to think. They if he was, was, Cringer, if he was Cringer and Orku, they were in the, in the palace when Teela resigned. Were they? Okay. Uh, I couldn't, yeah, they I were, couldn't remember they, Cringer all of a sudden. They they both were there because when Randor did his big speech and 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 then uh, Teela responded while she was yep. she's basically pointing at everybody and doing the you knew and you knew and and Cringer put yeah, his head right. down Orko looked he had his head in shame too so they were all there when right. that moment happened so, they, so yeah so yeah I just want so this isn't even like Cringer just stayed here after the final battle this is he went back to the palace. Obviously, whatever happened, he left and he wound up here like, well, where else do I go? I'll go exactly. with the sorceress and I'll protect her. And mm-hmm. and we find out that basically, like we've said, this is where this is where it all gets explained, guys. Um, if you haven't watched it, go watch it. It's actually a great scene. Great. Uh, I love the animation, the effects, the, the magic explained and everything. But basically... The sorceress gives up uh, her that last bit of magic. She stores in Evelyn's staff to give Evelyn a, a power boost because she's weak, just like every other magic user on Eternia is weak at this point. Keep that in your back pocket, viewers. Um, so sorceress gives Evelyn the last flame. In doing that, she gives up the powers of the sorceress. She's stripped down to Tilana white robes, old lady like okay she has nothing left she's given it all um we find out that the poison chalice was actually the top of the havoc staff in disguise which she also uh uh they use that power in it as well i don't think they it's kind of unclear if if they actually like fuse it into her staff or if they're just using the power of it but basically they needed all that but that's like the last couple big powers on Eternia is the head of that Havoc staff and that flame that the sorceress had. And they put it all on the Evelyn staff because this is all or nothing. Magic yep. is gone from Eternia. It was the first planet in creation Eternia was. It needs mag- It needs the magic to survive. It is a magical planet. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. It is dying. Mm-hmm. Like an unwatered house plant. And yes. the only thing... That can call the magic back from where it has, it's dispersed into the cosmos. The only thing that can channel it back, call upon the power, is of course the power sword. The power, Prince sword. Adam. Yep. Uh, Calling down the power, as as Tila says. But the power sword was destroyed in the final battle. Hmm. It was separated in the final battle. It became. It was divided. I, I think is the the proper term. Yes. It became two pieces: the light and the dark half. Which, yes. as as a as a fan of that mini comic canon, you couldn't have warmed my heart more than knowing they finally went there with this series because I I was so let down as a kid that they didn't at least try to do that storyline somehow. And here it is. And. I I do enjoy that. 
quite a lot. They they went there, and I like that it's something. It wasn't just uh, like uh, as we f- saw in the prequel comic. It's not just something they just introduced, like oh, the power just shattered the sword. No, it was already two pieces to begin with. He's he man the entire time has yeah. had one whole power sword. Like every kid wanted in the eighties, by the way. I'm Thank sorry, right. just we wanted that whole power sword. <laughs> yes. Thank you, classics, because they gave us that. But yeah, I love the fact that it's it goes from the beginning and at now there were always two pieces of it. He man just had the whole piece, the whole sword together. The entire yeah, battle. and I really like that. I like that King Grayskull forged the two halves together into the power sword. Mm-hmm. Um. And that it was then placed in Castle Grayskull and Adam got a whole power sword because I've, I, you know me, I've never liked that. I don't mind the two halves idea, but I never liked the, hey, here's the two halves, join them together. All right. End of the mini comic, split them apart. Beginning of next mini comic, put the two halves back together. All right. Split them apart. Like, yeah, no, it does not work as a con. To, to me personally, it does not work as a consistent storyline. Like, every day we're resetting. Every time we join them together, we then have to split them apart again. I like that it wasn't meant to be split back apart. Like, King Grayskull mm-hmm. took these two ores of power, created this sword, but just this explosion of magic was just so immense that it literally sent them... It's like you had a loaf of bread... And it got hit so hard that it turned back into eggs, water, and flour. Yeah, like, yeah. That's a big punch, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I really or the like ramstone. Yeah, the the ramstone it, it, kind of knocking, at, knocking the he man out of you, knocking the he and knock the power grizz goal right the hell out of him in that episode. And I, I, and and the thing is, like the <laughs> it, it, like the superconductor aspect of it from the first episode was something where. Yeah. Uh, for me as a kid, it's like I never actually did the whole, well, what if you said the incantation again? Because technically he did when he did the drawbridge. He didn't say, I have the power, but he always did by the power of Grace Clock and then the drawbridge open. But in this case. Which even that kind of, not to cut you off, but that kind of shows that, you know, the I have the power was kind of the more significant part of the incantation, right? Because. Yes. By the and, power and, of Grayskull can do a couple different things. Yes, exactly. And, I never thought about it that way. And I, well, and that kind of goes back to what we were saying in the la- last episode about how in this one, the I have the power is kind of what seals it, the power into him. Yes. And, and uh, even the prequel comic went there, which I, that was yeah. one of my parts that I loved a lot, but it's like, you know, Grayskull didn't say by the power of Grayskull. He just went, I have the power. And bam, yeah. the snake men were just, you know, wrecked. Right. And, you know, in that way, it's like, yeah, that's, if you want to say, if you want the part that's going to seal the deal and everybody as kids, I have the power. It was yep. always, that was the line. It, yes, the whole incantation matters. But when mm-hmm. you hit, I have the power, everybody knew that. So it worked for me on that level of that's yeah. like you said, it seals the deal that now you have the power until you yep. release the power again. Yep. Hold that so. in your back pocket, guys. <laughs> back pocket. Oh, and, we'll and really, uh, really quick. I, I also, I forgot to mention on last episode, the first episode when Chris Wood says by the power mm-hmm. of Grayskull as he man, that's how you do it by the way. 
Because I, yeah. I watched it just the other day, and when he did, by the power, I was like, why do you have to do the other way? This insanity <laughs> and all the, the the oh, it's so it's so earnest. It's like no, just by the bellow it, man, let it out. You know, maybe maybe they'll let him do that in the next part. It, you know, it, again, who knows? We'll but see. we'll see. I, we'll get to that next was, part. That was my one thing about the new transformation. I was just like, eh, it left me a little wanting. But when he does, I have the power. Blows the roof off the joint still. So. Absolutely. Anyway, back to this moment because this is a great moment coming chest. up yes. that we're about to so, talk about. And so basically, Sorcerer says, like, she has given all the big magic they could come up with. I mean, we're not stealing Glove of Galabula. But we've taken everything else, all the big stuff we've got. We've given it to Evil Lynn. Yeah. We need the power sword back. You need to track down the two halves, and you need to reforge them into one using this last flame of power that we have. Mm-hmm. Like, that, this is it. There's no other way. It's this, or the world dies. And Tila's ready to go, nah, I'm good, mm-hmm. and, che- and check out. And I was like, okay. They went there. They she is she is doubling that. I mean, think about it. This is the first time she's been in this room in I'm gonna say two years. To me, this feels like it has to have been at least a couple years mm-hmm. um, since everything went down. And she's sitting in this room. She's looking. She does. She looks at one point. She looks at the scorch mark left on the floor where He Man and Skeletor last stood. Mm-hmm. Like I can't even imagine the trauma that is flashing through her head right now mm-hmm. yeah uh, it, it, yeah i i can't th- i mean heck i i had a bad enough breakup in high school that i didn't want to go buy my girlfriend's house ever again and i i made pains to drive <laughs> alternate routes if i had to. anywhere so it's yeah. like imagine how that would have felt walking in and knowing that's the, where you last saw your best friend and he died you know right. like that's nuts and you're mad at him too you can't forget that part. i mean then it's very valid for her to be mad at him i think that's pretty much been a given that when she ever finds out she will be mad at him like that but for him to not give her that chance to mm-hmm. yell at him like I, you know that makes it worse it's I, like i said I, they really went to the depths of where Tila could go with all of this. And mm-hmm. I mean, the, they, she, they, she's written very well. She's written very consistently across the, these five episodes that we've seen where I am, I'm rooting for her to, to heal and to find her way to find her path that she's lost. And I can't even imagine the depths of what she's going through. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, then being tasked, like, you know, you're our last hope there, you know, and to me, it is that it's, it's, who do you call now? He man's gone. Who would you call in this situation? Absolutely. The former captain of the Royal Guard, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think the only reason the sorceress hasn't called her sooner is because she's been busy trying to keep this Ember alive, you know, and she had to get evil in there first, and, you know, she probably sent Cringer to get Evelyn. I mean, there's a whole story in itself. Because by the time Evelyn gets there, mm-hmm. she's already got this plan with the Sorcerer. She's already been there. They've already talked. They already know what they're going to do. Yeah, and I, I like that. Uh, how, how does she wear something along the lines of, I I, I see that our, our 
are saying uh, we're in alignment on how we're viewing this. Yeah, you know, right. it, it's a very um, not tumultuous, but just it, it's an unsteady truce they're doing because there oh, is yeah. it, evil and can die, and so can the sorceress yeah, and everyone need, else who's magical. Yeah, right. They need the magic. That's the only reason they've joined. For they're very upfront about that. Like I don't mm-hmm. trust you, but I see no other way. Like yep. we have to, um, and. I love the interaction with Cringer and Tila, where he, you know, he's telling, look, you serve Grayskull, you serve Snake Mountain. Uh, it doesn't matter at this point. We're fighting for the life of the planet. And mm-hmm. there's only one way to do it, and that's together. And he, he goes back, he, he reminds her of the past. He's like, you name me Cringer, because I was always afraid of everything. And he's like, ah, I love it. The Cringer being a little, little smart, but he's like, He's like, you know, I don't know much, but I know how to tell when someone's scared. You know, we yeah. we may act differently, but you're just as scared as I ever was. And mm-hmm. that hits her to the core. And that is what it is. She's scared. She's scared of getting attached to somebody again. She's scared of having to trust people, you know. I don't mm-hmm. even, you know, like I said, Andrew and her had this partnership, you know, the mercenary thing. But it does, she hasn't trusted her. She hasn't told her her story. She hasn't told her her past. Like she's, they are they are coworkers, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's 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 just you don't get the same vibe as you did from Tila in the flashbacks, which we'll see more of, or even from that first episode. Like it's not the same Tila. She is afraid to commit herself to to anybody. She is all about herself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it it has that like Batman and Robin aspect yeah. of it. Like at the beginning, when when Dick Grayson is still young, and it's you know it's more do as I say, not as I do sort of a deal. And there right. is that camaraderie, but um, yeah, that that uh, I, I, Stephen Root for me took one. Of, he was one of the hardest ones I, on yep. the voice side Absolutely. of things to actually go. I, I can accept it, or it's it's sounding weird to me. But, I'm uh, still not sold on it, I guess I could say. Like, it's a the lines are great. It's a great performance. But he took it in a really... He almost... He actually played it straight. When you're expecting Steven Root to do a little something, you know, because he's known for those, I want to say goofy voices, but those off voices, you know, those mm-hmm. those quirky voices. And yeah. so I was expecting something more along those lines, but he actually played it pretty straight. So that mm. that was interesting. Yeah, like when they when they cast him, I I automatically in my head I'm like, if you do a cross between Office Space and Dodgeball, you kind of exactly. have a cringer. And right. and it, it's like I wasn't expecting him to go legit like Alan Oppenheimer. We're gonna really make it sense, but right. have. Having that oh, little stutter, a little yeah, a little, a little stutter, yeah, just something. a little something, and and that was that was one of those things, like like when he's like everybody dies, and I'm like, that's you know, like he's holding yeah. out some of these some of these sounds and the words that make yeah. me go like that 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 feels weird. It almost feels I I don't know the best way to describe the actual I, like this is how it sounds to me. It but sounds it, it was hard. It's, it, yeah. it's, and, and again, we only have, because unfortunately Mike Young did not believe in a talking cringer, which they should have. Um, but so we only <laughs> have the one voice to go up. I think that's a part of it too. Because yeah, we figure yeah. everybody else, we've had at least two 
main incarnations. So you can, and I really felt that uh, Mike Young, you know, they didn't try and copy Filmation, but they definitely did their research beforehand. And they, they especially with the main, the main cast, they paid mm-hmm. homage, you know, and they definitely. did it in, in the, the style, but to their own strengths. But Cringer, we've only got Alan from the 80s. So yeah. his, I think, no matter what, would have taken the most. But I agree, as I feel about another character that's coming up, I think he need, uh, his Cringer needed just a little more. Just a little, mm-hmm. a li- like you said, just a little stutter, just a little bit of that quirkiness that Steven Root's known for. I think that's the biggest thing. If it had been anybody else, it wouldn't have been as glaring. But I'm like, you're Steven Root. I've heard you do these voices before. It, mm-hmm. That would have been closer than what we got. He's very well spoken in this, which I think throws me. Yeah, and honestly, again, two, you know, two years, whatever the time jump is, there is a part of me that almost forgives it for the fact that he's probably seen some stuff in that time. And also he, he witnessed Adam yeah. getting, you know, dying as well. So there is certain elements where I could see like Tila and like other yeah. characters we're going to see. He is evolving as a character. He's not going to always be this Frady cat because he has been standing watch with the sorceress. But it, again, it's, it's the initial, yeah. like there, there's definitely one coming up in the next episode where I, when I heard the boys, I'm like, this is not what I was thinking at all. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, yeah, like I don't, I don't think he did a bad job at right. all. But and in in this episode, he's the soul of the episode. He he's is. the heart and soul of that with that speech he gives her, and 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 that worked nicely. Once you got over the initial, he doesn't yeah. sound cringer. But when he did that speech, like that was delivered in a way where at the end of it, I'm like, no, this this is working for me. I just needed this as my warm up to it now, and, and like I can said, I can handle I, it. I think even if if it had been this episode where he's a bit more articulated, but it it was the same in episode one. When we heard him. That's the thing. If he had done the stutter back then, and then he was more like, like, I've grown up. You know, mm-hmm. I've, I've conquered my fears. You know, the, I'm evolving. Whatever. I think it would have been easier to swallow. But he did that. We just glossed over it because Cringer wasn't as big of a part last episode. Um, mm-hmm. But it's always been this well-spoken voice throughout it. If they, if it had been a time jump thing, it might have been a little less glaring but uh, but it is what it is. Like I said, it's, it's sure. a great speech, and it gets Tila in the game, and uh, you know, good kitty. <laughs> good kitty. I love that yeah. that 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 scene where like she reaches down and pets him, and he like nuzzles yeah. the side of her face. I'm like, mm-hmm. I, I, that that it it you know, it's moments like that where I'm like that that's filmation. Like that is mm-hmm. pure something you would see at the end of an episode of filmation as they're sitting around at the palace, like. Oh, cringer, you know, and it yep, just yep. again, it's just those moments that throw me back that make me feel like I was when I was a kid experiencing all this for the first time. Um, and this episode wraps up with with Tila saying that the only thing left to do is before they find the swords is to find somebody who can reforge them. Dun dun dun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And we'll get into cameo. <laughs> we'll get into who that may be next episode. Mm-hmm. Um, that so we yeah. will. Uh, final thoughts. It's just, uh, I, I will say it is my least favorite of 
the series we've seen so far. I mean, and mm-hmm. that's not a slam on it. It just they had so much to do to explain um, and to accomplish. It 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 had to go boom, 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 and you didn't get the big action pieces with Stinker that we're expecting. Even the fight, honestly, with the Alkalites was a little bit shorter than you would think it would be. You know, it was an easy getaway. Um, just because they had they had to keep going. They had a lot to accomplish in this episode, more so mm-hmm. than than the other ones, I feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this one it, it's it's it just goes back to you're setting up the beginnings of the new version of everything. Right. And so there is it, it this one very much is a it takes a little getting used to. Um and honestly, like some of the stuff that they went to in this episode made me kind of go, it feels a little like how my head cannon was not, not like going all to the motherboard and, yeah. you know, live and diode and all that stuff. But there, there is this creepiness to this episode that I oh, yeah. really miss from Phil Nation. And I'm like, this is kind of the more the way that I always liked seeing it. Like there is more darkness in this episode. There is definitely more mystery in this one. And I really enjoyed that. Um, but I think out of the five, yeah, I, I hate saying it, but this one is the one where I, I probably, I watch it to get to the next episode more than I want to watch it because I want to watch this episode. Yeah. I mean, um, it's, it's absolutely necessary. Yeah. And I, that's a great way of putting it, Sean. I didn't think about it that way. Cause really episode one is the end of the classic era, the vintage or yes. whatever. It's, it's the end and this episode really is like episode one of this arc. It's t- it's setting up everything that we're going to go through in the next uh, three episodes, um, in order in order to try and save Eternia from dying. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, it's really got that feel of a first episode. You're just your mind's tricked because it is episode two of this series. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And I don't know, there are definitely moments, too, that I feel like it could have, there could have been a little more to it, just like in the first episode, there could have been a little more to it. But, you know, it's like the whole, you know, 25 minutes and all that stuff. So it is what it is there. Um, You get Tila and and the Andrew relationship and their mentor-mentee and all that. And like I said, she didn't really take away from the show for me. She actually was a nice little addition. Um, And, and, I mean, Triclops, I mean... Yes. Damn. <laughs> Triclops, trap jaw, whiplash. I mean, it, yeah. it all, it's like when you see this stuff, it's like, man, they're going like Mad Max on some of this stuff now. This is nuts. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, final thought for me is, is you know, looking forward to the next episode. And uh, I'd say Cringer probably gets the uh, MVP for that speech 100%. because, man. Uh, it's like only he i love that too that they focus it i know what i know what being scared looks like and that's how you i love that that yeah. part in particular completely sold that whole bit for me so no i absolutely agree like i said i feel it's it's the weakest of the episodes but again these are all great episodes in my opinion so the weakest is still good you know yeah yeah um, exactly but yeah, it had me pumped, and and this is this is another one we rolled right through. You know, skip the credits, play the next button. Yep, yep, and, yep. Uh, get into it. And just like we'll be doing uh, next episode, 
we be getting right into uh, the most dangerous man on Eternia. So mm. we thank you guys All for right. joining us. We're going to take off. Uh, make sure you like, subscribe, share, ring that bell so you get notified when we go live. And until next time. Until next time. Oh, come on. Oh, bear. Oh, bear. Oh!